Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, we're talking to Agri's Adam Simper, National Grassroots and Environmental Seeds Manager, and Hayley Wellings, Forage Technical Specialist. Today, we're going to be asking, how can we make the most of forage? A key question, not just for livestock farmers, but perhaps also for those growing forage crops to improve soil health. So let's ask the experts. So good morning to you both. Good morning, Tony. Morning, Tony. So it's fantastic to uh, see you both here and welcome to Tramlines, your your first appearance. So uh, uh, really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. So Adam, maybe I can start with you. Uh, You know, when we talk about forage crops, put put it in context, what crops are we talking about? Well, Tony, I guess when you talk forage crops, you're talking kind of maize, you're talking grass, red and white clovers, multi-species swords, you know, things like chicory, plantains. Um, you're also talking about kind of all, all different uh, species of root seeds, so fodder beet, swedes, kale, stubble turnips, forage rape. So all of the, all of what I just mentioned there, I guess will kind of sum up what forage is in my eyes. I guess if we're talking about forage, the primary aim is growing forage obviously for fodder for a livestock enterprise but but Haley, we were talking just before we came on air so to speak that actually there's a lot of growers now who are if you like more arable uh focus who are growing these forage crops for livestock enterprises for other farmers uh, you're seeing that in your area aren't you yes yeah, so i um i live in north herefordshire tony um and it's probably one of the most diverse counties in terms of agriculture um, we've got a big range of crops being grown here, mixture of, you've really got a lot of potato farmers, um, some of the farmers in the area are, are arable farmers, there's a lot of livestock, particularly once you get just over the border into the Welsh borders, most of that area there being more hilly is purely livestock farmers, um, but what we're seeing is that some of the growers who have over the years been focused purely on arable crops, starting to reintegrate livestock into the system um, one of the big reasons being that it's, it can be a huge help to um, soil health um, trying to build organic matters back, back up by getting the stock on um, you know obviously sheep coming onto the farm whether that be the grower buying livestock of their own um, or often neighbouring farmers um, renting a field to put stock on um, and that's beneficial both to the livestock farmer in extra grazing and to the arable man in terms of improving his soil health. So Adam let's talk about some of these forage crops that we grow in the UK. Um, The assumption I guess is that grass is the key the major crop grown but uh, can you put that into perspective for us? So actually in the UK, grass and clover is one of the biggest forage crops around alongside maize. But in the world, lucerne is actually the biggest forage crop grown. Uh, why do you think lucerne's not widely grown in the UK? It probably isn't widely grown as much because um, lucerne's quite fussy on what type of soil type it can be grown on. So let's focus in on growing grass for forage. Um, how is the crop doing? How is it performing? And what can growers start to think about, start to do that can lead to an improvement in the quality of what they're growing on farm? Yeah, well, I guess if we go back to kind of spring 2020, you know, it was a it was a cold spring. Um, First cups were delayed because soil temperatures didn't get um, didn't get warm enough as quickly as it normally should do. So that first cup was delayed. 
which then obviously pushed second cup back later on into the year. And as that happened, you know, um, some parts of the country certainly experienced some very, very dry and droughty conditions, which just meant that kind of second cut almost didn't happen. Now, I guess kind of, you know, in the UK, it was almost a bit of a tale of two halves, really. Down south, it was very kind of, you know, dry and drought, uh, drought stricken, whereas kind of further north you got, uh, there was a bit more moisture around, but they didn't see the effects as much. Um, so, like I say, a lot of people, I guess, got caught out with a lack of kind of certainly second cut and also kind of summer forage to graze and to utilize, which then meant they were having to feed kind of valuable winter forage, um, you know, out in the fields and to buffer feed. So that could potentially have had a knock on effect on, on winter on, on winter forage. I guess I guess then as the rain came. Farmers then started to kind of think, well, we need to do something fairly sharpish. So a lot of kind of high yield in short term mixes were put in to help kind of, you know, buffer, let's call it um, kind of third and fourth cut later on in the year. Um, Hayley, where do farmers start to think about how they can improve these swords? So, I mean, obviously, the, the important thing, if, if we're looking at improving grassland, um, is, is making a decision on where on the farm we're going to start. Um, you know, obviously, we're not going to run out and um, tackle the whole farm and start tearing up lays left, right and centre. Um, so the important thing is to go out, um, you know, go out with a spade, do some soil sampling and see which fields are performing worst, for want of a better word. And um, that's where we want to start, you know, look at the lays that are really letting us down the most and start to improve those first. Um, you know, we can then start to move around the farm, um, but we want to start with the lays that are, that are performing least well to begin with. And Adam, what should a farmer be looking for in terms of trying to assess why that sward is perhaps not performing as well as it could do? First things first, you've got to start look at your, your soils and get them right first. But But secondly, you know, um, I guess um, growers need to be going out and walking the fields, assessing the assessing the each sward for perennial ryegrass content. You know, um, perennial ryegrasses are high yielding and better D value and higher ME um, uh, levels compared to kind of weed grasses. So, first of all, assess what you've got. You know, if you've got a sward there and you think there's kind of, you know, sixty percent, you know, perennial ryegrass there. Well, then maybe think about overseeding into that um, if you can get a, if you can, you know, if the sward's kind of open enough. If you've got swards that you think are kind of 60% and low uh, and below perennial ryegrass content, probably that's probably the time to think about maybe a full reseed. You know, the, 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 the grassy breeders have worked hard and they've kind of, for the last 10 years, they've probably increased yields by about 1% a year. So over 10 years, they've increased yields by 10%. Well, that's massive. But not only that, they've increased devalue by half a percent. So once again, they've increased over the last 10 years, they've increased um, you know, devalue by five points. Devalue obviously has a direct correlation with ME. And in my eyes, kind of um, devalue and ME is what drives livestock production. So if those modern perennial ryegrass varieties aren't in your sward, you know, you can't you, you can't necessarily maximize on-farm profitability from 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 grass wards. yeah sure and and Haley, it is the end goal to maximize the me value from that from that crop absolutely tony silage quality is a whole topic of its own which we could spend hours on 
But for now, if we just think about ME, which is one of the most important parameters, ME stands for metabolizable energy. And it's a measure of energy in the form of megajoules per kilo of dry matter. Now, Adam's talked about D values and quantities. Um, and if we reseed a lay, we would automatically expect to be producing more silage and increase our quantity. But at the same time, we would also expect to improve the quality of the silage we're producing off that new lay. If we increase our ME by just one from, say, 10.5 to 11.5, or from 11 to 12, if we're already producing very good silage, that means we're producing an extra 1,000 megajoules of energy for every one tonne of dry matter produced. If we multiply that up over 10 tonnes of dry matter, that's an extra 10,000 megajoules of energy. That's equivalent to just under 2,000 litres of milk. If we're on 45 pence a litre, that's 900 pounds worth. If we were to buy in that extra 10,000 megajoules of energy, that would be equivalent to buying in just under 850 kilos of 12 ME concentrates. So there's huge savings to be made by making sure that the quality of the forage we're producing at home is as good as it can be and reducing our bought-in feed costs. Yeah, sure. And, and I think in principle, what you're both saying is look at the forage you're growing, review what you grew last year and, and look at how it can be improved because the benefits are clearly there. Uh, and, you know, you guys are really demonstrating your expertise in your advice uh, to, to help uh, growers and the listeners here today. Let's move on from grass to maize, another significant um, source of uh, forage in the UK. Um, Hayley, how's the maize crop looking? Yes, so there's been quite a bit of difference in maize crops um, across the country this season. Um, certainly out east, crops were hit much harder by the droughts. Um, maize 22 harvest was significantly reduced in yield versus 21 for a lot of growers. Some fared better. Um, some of the heavier soils kept crops growing for longer and um, yields were reduced less. But overall yields are down this year. Um, Adam alluded to it in terms of, of grassland, um, but we've seen similar effects in terms of maize carryovers with growers having to feed out winter stocks to supplement summer grazing. Um, so it's a, it's a double whammy effect really in terms of yields being reduced, but also carryover stocks um, being eaten into earlier than would have been planned. So as a result, maize stocks going into this winter um, or through this winter are, are certainly depleted versus what they would usually be. So this season, you know, it, it's a year more than any for growers to question their maize variety choice. You know, it's more important than ever that this spring, the variety that goes in is going to give the farmer everything that it can, um, you know, not just growing what the, what the farmer's always grown variety wise, but looking at that variety choice now, whether that is a case of looking to earlier maturing varieties um, to open up opportunities of getting a following crop in behind, whether that be for purposes of not leaving bare ground for environmental reasons, but also increasing opportunities for intercropping options um, and actually getting another forage crop um, off of that field during the season. Now, even if we're sticking with a variety of a similar maturity to what we've always grown, perhaps we don't need to go for anything early in maturing. We still need to look in more detail at the variety options. You can look at two varieties with the same sort of maturity. They may even look the same in terms of their dry matter yields. 
but actually that doesn't mean that either or will do the same job for you. We can get two varieties in the same maturity class with very equivalent yields, but one might be performing much better than the other in terms of ME yields or in terms of starch yields or cell wall digestibility. So it's really important to sit down with your advisors and have a look at the variety choices that are out there and see which one is going to perform best for you. If we're growing maize for beef cattle, then starch yield is going to be one of the things we want to be more interested in. If we're looking for dairy cows, we're going to be looking at that ME and cell wall digestibility. And of course, with AD, quality is also important. You know, the ME yield of that crop is going to make a big difference to our gas output at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So some really good advice there. And the key, the key thread of what I understood from that is, you know, you really do need to look at the varieties you're going to be putting in the ground uh, this coming spring. Um, Maze, uh, a lot to learn there. And uh, I, I would urge listeners to uh, speak to Haley and her colleagues for some good advice there. Um, Adam, when we spoke before, um, you talked about helping growers think about how we can get some resilience in the forage that they're producing with the varying weather conditions that we get. Uh, and I'm just thinking about, well, how do we do that? Uh, we're growing grass, we're growing maize. How do we build some resilience into producing quality forage on our livestock enterprises or on our farms as a whole? We know that we can grow forage for winter utilisation. We need to change our mindset now and think that we need to grow forage for those drier summer months utilisation. So that could be putting a, you know, a, a brassica in the ground, something a brassica kind of, you know, April, May time and having that as your kind of your summer forage utilisation uh, for those drier summer months which then leads itself nicely into a back-end reseed as well, okay? Putting the brassica crop in will help um, break up the, 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 the pest cycle in, in, in the ground, so it's got benefits there. It'll also um, do the soil, you know, different rooting structures from the different root crops. It'll also help with soil structure as well. Um, and like I say, we just need to start thinking about growing different crops for summer utilisation um, rather than having a grass field there, it burning up and not uh, and it's not producing the dry matter that's required from your from your stock. Um, it's not only about roots. You know, there there could be an opportunity to um, have part of your or, or part of your hectares down to multi-species swards. You know, grass, uh, prunarai grass, timothy, red and white clover, plantain, chicory. You know, all these different you know multi-species swards. They've got different rooting structures. Um, and certainly, you know, clovers will provide, you know, good proteins uh, into the forage. And also during the summer months, you know, pr uh, clovers will actually provide good ME yields as well, you know, anywhere from, you know, 11 to 12. So certainly clovers can provide better ME yields compared to kind of, dare I say, old swords containing rough stock meadow grass, brown top bent, Yorkshire frog, that type of thing. So building that resilience by root crops for some utilization and also multi-species swords it'll just allow us to like i say um not be caught out by the dry drought prone kind of months that we have and actually have a, a set plan in place to make sure we've got forage um all throughout the year yeah very uh, interesting what you're talking about there adam and Haley, from your perspective what else would you like to add and i'm thinking here about soil health and the overall vitality of the farm enterprise 
Yeah, I mean, it follows on from what Adam's been saying. I mean, Adam has taught, you know, about the extra quality that we can bring in by, by using multi-species lay, lays. But, but the other thing to remember is that by increasing the diversity in a crop, um, we, we include different rooting depths with different species. So, I mean, even taking it back to the most simple multi-species lay of, of a grass and clover mixture, Growers out there with, with grass clover lays in the, in the ground would have noticed that when we had the drought, they had a lot more clover in that lay. And the reason being that the clovers are more drought tolerant than our perennial ryegrasses. Red clover in particular with its deep tap root, it can get down to that moisture further down and survive through those droughtier conditions much better than a pure ryegrass lay is going to. So increasing our diversity, we're getting better depth of rooting, we're getting different depths of rooting. And the other thing about that is that it's also going to help to just keep that soil more friable because we've got those different depths of rooting. And the other thing is that actually from a livestock health point of view, by having different rooting depths from different species, we're increasing the number of micronutrients that we're getting out of the ground into the forage crop and into the stock. So there's huge benefits in terms of both stock health forage quality and soil health um, and, and as we've said drought tolerance by using multi-species lays and root crops to give us more diversity of forage. Very interesting indeed. So as we come towards the end of this particular podcast what top tips what would you urge farmers and growers to do that could make a significant difference to their farm enterprise? So my top tip would be question everything. Don't do something because you always have. Don't do something because the neighbour's doing it. Speak to your advisors, question what you're doing, question what's working well, question what could be better, and work out from there what to do that's best for you and your farm. And Adam, what do you think listeners should take away from today's podcast that can really help their farm enterprise? Yeah, I think we'll kind of, yeah, good point, Sally. I think the only things I'll add to that is kind of, know know what you've had in the past in terms of yield whether that's bales per acre or hectare or trailer loads per acre per hectare um work out and if you haven't got that well start to do that so you can make a plan as to what fields uh, are underperforming in terms of dry matter requirements okay um walk the field walk the land you know assess what you've got there already and then make a plan a, a good reseeding plan after that um and like I say, don't think of, of you know, don't think of reseeding or, or, or kind of root crops as a, as a cost. Think of it as a sound investment. You know, these high compound feed prices at the moment are, are really focusing growers' minds as to producing uh, more homegrown forage to maximise on-farm profitability. Well, thank you, Adam and Haley, for sharing your expert advice today on making the most of your forage. You may find other episodes here on Tramlines of interest too such as taking stock of understanding your forage, getting the most from your maize, and hybrid rye, a solution to today's farming challenges. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.